Book six, chapters eight through ten of the Wars of the Jews. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Wars of the Jews by Josephus, translated by William Whiston. Chapters eight through ten. Chapter eight How Caesar raised banks round about the upper city, Mount Zion, and when they were completed, gave orders that the machines should be brought. He then possessed himself of the whole city. 1. Now when Caesar perceived that the upper city was so steep that it could not possibly be taken without raising banks against it, he distributed the several parts of that work among his army, and this on the twentieth day of the month Luz, Ab. Now the carriage of the materials was a difficult task, since all the trees, as I have already told you, that were about the city, within the distance of a hundred furlongs, had their branches cut off already, in order to make the former banks. The works that belonged to the four legions were erected on the west side of the city, over against the royal palace. But the whole body of the auxiliary troops, with the rest of the multitude that were with them, erected their banks at the Zistus, whence they reached to the bridge, and that tower of Simon which he had built as a citadel for himself against John, when they were at war one with another. 2. It was at this time that the commanders of the Idumeans got together privately, and took counsel about surrendering up themselves to the Romans. Accordingly they sent five men to Titus, and entreated him to give them his right hand for their security. So Titus, thinking that the tyrants would yield, if the Idumeans, upon whom a great part of the war depended, were once withdrawn from them, after some reluctancy and delay, complied with them, and gave them security for their lives, and sent the five men back. But as these Idumeans were preparing to march out, Simon perceived it, and immediately slew the five men that had gone to Titus, and took their commanders, and put them in prison, of whom the most eminent was Jacob, the son of Sosas. But as for the multitude of the Idumeans, who did not at all know what to do, now their commanders were taken from them, he had them watched, and secured the walls by a more numerous garrison, yet could not that garrison resist those that were deserting, for although a great number of them were slain, yet were the deserters many more in number. They were all received by the Romans, because Titus himself grew negligent as to his former orders for killing them, and because the very soldiers grew weary of killing them, and because they hoped to get some money by sparing them. For they left only the populace, and sold the rest of the multitude, with their wives and children, and every one of them at a very low price, and that because such as were sold were very many, and the buyers were few. Footnote. This innumerable multitude of Jews that were sold by the Romans was an eminent completion of God's ancient threatening by Moses, that if they apostatized from the obedience of his laws, they should be, quote, sold unto their enemies for bondmen and bondwomen, end quote, Deuteronomy 28.68. See more especially the note on chapter 9, section 2. But one thing is here peculiarly remarkable, that Moses adds, though they should be sold for slaves, yet no man should buy them, i.e., either they should have none to redeem them from the sale into slavery, or rather that the slaves to be sold should be more than were the purchasers for them, and so they should be sold for little or nothing, which is what Josephus here affirms to have been the case at this time. End footnote. And although Titus had made proclamation beforehand that no deserter should come alone by himself, that so they might bring out their families with them, yet did he receive such as these also. However, he set over them such as were to distinguish some from others, 
in order to see if any of them deserved to be punished. And indeed the number of those that were sold was immense, but of the populace above forty thousand were saved, whom Caesar let go whither every one of them pleased. 3. But now at this time it was that one of the priests, the son of Thebuthus, whose name was Jesus, upon his having security given him by the oath of Caesar, that he should be preserved, upon condition that he should deliver to him certain of the precious things that had been reposited in the temple, came out of it, and delivered him from the wall of the holy house two candlesticks, like to those that lay in the holy house, with tables and cisterns and vials, all made of solid gold and very heavy. Footnote. What became of these spoils of the temple that escaped the fire, see Josephus himself thereafter, and Relin de Spoliis Templi. End footnote. He also delivered to him the veils and the garments, with the precious stones, and a great number of other precious vessels that belonged to their sacred worship. The treasurer of the temple also, whose name was Phineas, was seized on, and showed Titus the coats and girdles of the priests, with a great quantity of purple and scarlet, which were there reposited for the uses of the veil, and also a great deal of cinnamon and cassia, with a large quantity of other sweet spices, which used to be mixed together and offered as incense to God every day. Footnote. These various sorts of spices, even more than these four which Moses prescribed, Exodus 31-34, we see are used in their public worship under Herod's temple, particularly cinnamon and cassia, which Reland takes particular notice of as agreeing with the latter testimony of the Talmudists. End footnote. A great many other treasures were also delivered to him, with sacred ornaments of the temple not a few, which things thus delivered to Titus obtained of him for this man the same pardon that he had allowed to such as deserted of their own accord. 4. And now were the banks finished on the seventh day of the month Gorpius, Elul, in eighteen days' time, when the Romans brought their machines against the wall. But for the seditious, some of them, as despairing of saving the city, retired from the wall to the citadel. Others of them went down into the subterranean vaults, though still a great many of them defended themselves against those that brought the engines for the battery. Yet did the Romans overcome them by their number and by their strength, and, what was the principal thing of all, by going cheerfully about their work, while the Jews were quite dejected and become weak. Now as soon as a part of the wall was battered down, and certain of the towers yielded to the impression of the battering rams, those that opposed themselves fled away, and such a terror fell upon the tyrants, as was much greater than the occasion required. For before the enemy got over the breach they were quite stunned, and were immediately for flying away. And now one might see these men, who had hitherto been so insolent and arrogant in their wicked practices, to be cast down and to tremble, insomuch that it would pity one's heart to observe the change that was made in these vile persons." Accordingly, they ran with great violence upon the Roman wall that encompassed them, in order to force away those that guarded it, and to break through it, and get away. But when they saw that those who had formerly been faithful to them had gone away, as indeed they were fled whithersoever the great distress they were in persuaded them to flee, as also when those that came running before the rest told them that the western wall was entirely overthrown, while others said the Romans were gotten in, and others that they were near, and looking out for them, which were only the dictates of their fear, which imposed upon their sight, they fell upon their face, and greatly lamented their own mad conduct, and their nerves were so terribly loosed that they could not flee away. And here one may chiefly reflect on the power of God exercised upon these wicked wretches, 
and on the good fortune of the Romans. For these tyrants did now wholly deprive themselves of the security they had in their own power, and came down from those very towers of their own accord, wherein they could have never been taken by force, nor indeed by any other way than by famine. And thus did the Romans, when they had taken such great pains about weaker walls, get by good fortune what they could never have gotten by their engines. For three of these towers were too strong for all mechanical engines whatsoever, concerning which we have treated above. 5. So they now left these towers of themselves, or rather they were ejected out of them by God himself, and fled immediately to that valley which was under Salome, where they again recovered themselves out of the dread they were in for a while, and ran violently against that part of the Roman wall which lay on that side. But as their courage was too much depressed to make their attacks with sufficient force, and their power was now broken with fear and affliction, they were repulsed by the guards, and dispersing themselves at distances from each other, went down into the subterranean caverns. So the Romans being now become masters of the walls, they both placed their ensigns upon the towers, and made joyful acclamations for the victory they had gained, as having found the end of this war much lighter than its beginning. For when they had gotten upon the last wall, without any bloodshed, they could hardly believe what they found to be true. But seeing nobody to oppose them, they stood in doubt what such an unusual solitude could mean. But when they went in numbers into the lanes of the city with their swords drawn, they slew those whom they overtook without, and set fire to the houses whither the Jews were fled, and burnt every soul in them, and laid waste a great many of the rest. And when they were come to the houses to plunder them, they found in them entire families of dead men, and the upper rooms full of dead corpses, that is, of such as died by the famine. They then stood in a horror at this sight, and went out without touching anything. But although they had this commiseration for such as were destroyed in that manner, yet had they not the same for those that were still alive, but they ran every one through whom they met with, and obstructed the very lanes with their dead bodies, and made the whole city run down with blood, to such a degree indeed that the fire of many of the houses was quenched with these men's blood. And truly so it happened, that though the slayers left off at the evening, yet did the fire greatly prevail in the night. And as all was burning, came that eighth day of the month Gorpius, Elul, upon Jerusalem, a city that had been liable to so many miseries during this siege, that, had it always enjoyed as much happiness from its first foundation, it would certainly have been the envy of the world. Nor did it, on any other account, so much deserve these sore misfortunes, as by producing such a generation of men as were the occasions of this its overthrow. Chapter 9. What injunctions Caesar gave when he was come within the city, the number of the captives and of those that perished in the siege, as also concerning those that had escaped into the subterranean caverns, among whom were the tyrants Simon and John themselves. 1. Now when Titus was come into this upper city, he admired not only some other places of strength in it, but particularly those strong towers which the tyrants in their mad conduct had relinquished. For when he saw their solid altitude, and the largeness of their several stones, and the exactness of their joints, as also how great was their breadth, and how extensive their length, he expressed himself after the manner following, quote, We have certainly had God for our assistant in this war, and it was no other than God who ejected the Jews out of these fortifications. For what could the hands of men or any machines do towards overthrowing these towers? At which time he had many such discourses to his friends. 
he also let such go free as had been bound by the tyrants, and were left in the prisons. To conclude, when he entirely demolished the rest of the city, and overthrew its walls, he left these towers as a monument of his good fortune, which had proved his auxiliaries, and enabled him to take what could not otherwise have been taken by him. 2. And now, since his soldiers were already quite tired with killing men, and yet there appeared to be a vast multitude still remaining alive, Caesar gave orders that they should kill none but those that were in arms, and opposed them, but should take the rest alive. But, together with those whom they had orders to slay, they slew the aged and the infirm. But for those that were in their flourishing age, and who might be useful to them, they drove them together into the temple, and shut them up within the walls of the court of the women, over which Caesar set one of his freed men, as also Fronto, one of his own friends, which last was to determine every one's fate according to his merits. So this Fronto slew all those that had been seditious and robbers, who were impeached one by another, but of the young men he chose out the tallest and most beautiful, and reserved them for the triumph. As for the rest of the multitude that were above seventeen years old, he put them into bonds, and sent them to the Egyptian mines. Titus also sent a great number into the provinces, as a present to them, that they might be destroyed upon their theatres, by the sword and by the wild beasts. But those that were under seventeen years of age were sold for slaves. Footnote. See the several predictions that the Jews, if they became obstinate in their idolatry and wickedness, should be sent again or sold into Egypt for their punishment, Deuteronomy 28.68, Jeremiah 44.7, Hosea 8.13, 9 9.4-5, 2 Samuel 15.10-13, with authentic records, and Relin Painest and, and footnote. Now during the days wherein Fronto was distinguishing these men, there perished, for want of food, eleven thousand, some of whom did not taste any food, through the hatred their guards bore to them, and others would not take in any when it was given them. The multitude also was so very great, that they were in want even of corn for their sustenance. 3. Now the number of those that were carried captive during this whole war was collected to be ninety-seven thousand. Footnote the whole multitude of the Jews that were destroyed during the entire seven years before this time, in all the countries of and bordering on Judea, is summed up by Archbishop Usher, from Lipsius, out of Josephus, at the year of Christ seventy, and amounts to 1,337,490. Nor could there have been that number of Jews in Jerusalem to be destroyed in this siege, as will be presently set down by Josephus, but that both Jews and proselytes of justice were just then come up out of the other countries of Galilee, Samaria, Judea, and Perea, and other remoter regions, to the Passover in vast numbers, and therein cooped up as in a prison by the Roman army, as Josephus himself well observes in this and the next section, and as is exactly related elsewhere. End footnote. As was the number of those that perished during the whole siege, eleven hundred thousand, the greater part of whom were indeed of the same nation, with the citizens of Jerusalem, but not belonging to the city itself. For they were come up from all the country to the feast of unleavened bread, and were on a sudden shut up by an army, which, at the very first, occasioned so great a straightness among them, that there came a pestilential destruction upon them, and soon afterwards such a famine as destroyed them more suddenly. And that this city could contain so many people in it is manifest by that number of them which was taken under Cestius, who being desirous of informing Nero of the power of the city, 
who otherwise was disposed to condemn that nation, entreated the high priests, if the thing were possible, to take the number of their whole multitude. So these high priests, upon the coming of that feast which is called the Passover, when they slay their sacrifices, from the ninth hour till the eleventh, but so that a company not less than ten belong to every sacrifice, for it is not lawful for them to feast singly by themselves, and many of us are twenty in a company, found the number of sacrifices was two hundred and fifty-six thousand five hundred, which, upon the allowance of no more than ten that feast together, amounts to two millions seven hundred thousand and two hundred persons that were pure and holy. Footnote. This number of a company for one paschal lamb, between ten and twenty, agrees exactly with the number thirteen, at our Saviour's last Passover. As to the whole number of the Jews that used to come up to the Passover and eat it at Jerusalem, see the note on Book 2, Chapter 14, Section 3. This number ought to be here, indeed, just ten times the number of the lambs, or just two million five hundred sixty-five thousand, by Josephus's own reasoning, whereas it is, in his present copies, no less than two million seven hundred thousand two hundred, which last number is, however, nearest the other number in the place now cited, which is three million. But what is here chiefly remarkable in this, that no foreign nation ever came thus to destroy the Jews at any of their solemn festivals, from the days of Moses till this time, but came now upon their apostasy from God, and from obedience to him. Nor is it possible, in the nature of things, that in any other nation such vast numbers should be gotten together, and perish in the siege of any one city whatsoever, as now happened in Jerusalem. End footnote. For as to those that have the leprosy, or the gonorrhea, or women that have their monthly courses, or such as are otherwise polluted, it is not lawful for them to be partakers of this sacrifice, nor indeed for any foreigners neither, who come hither to worship. 4. Now this vast multitude is indeed collected out of remote places, but the entire nation was now shut up by fate as in prison, and the Roman army encompassed the city when it was crowded with inhabitants. Accordingly, the multitude of those that therein perished exceeded all the destructions that either men or God ever brought upon the world. For, to speak only of what is publicly known, the Romans slew some of them, some they carried captives, and others they made a search for underground, and when they found where they were, they broke up the ground and slew all they met with. There were also found slain there above two thousand persons, partly by their own hands and partly by one another, but chiefly destroyed by the famine. But then the ill savour of the dead bodies was most offensive to those that lighted upon them, insomuch that some were obliged to get away immediately, while others were so greedy of gain, that they would go in among the dead bodies that lay on heaps, and tread upon them. For a great deal of treasure was found in these caverns, and the hope of gain made every way of getting it to be esteemed lawful. Many also of those that had been put in prison by the tyrants were now brought out, for they did not leave off their barbarous cruelty at the very last, yet did God avenge himself upon them both, in a manner agreeable to justice. As for John, he wanted food, together with his brethren, in these caverns, and begged that the Romans would now give him their right hand for his security, which he had often proudly rejected before. But for Simon, he struggled hard with the distress he was in, till he was forced to surrender himself, as we shall relate hereafter. So he was reserved for the triumph, and to be slain then, as was John condemned to perpetual imprisonment. And now the Romans set fire to the extreme parts of the city, and burnt them down, and entirely demolished its walls. Chapter 10 
that whereas the city of Jerusalem had been five times taken formerly, this was the second time of its desolation. A brief account of its history. 1. And thus was Jerusalem taken in the second year of the reign of Vespasian, on the eighth day of the month Gorpius, Elul. It had been taken five times before, though this was the second time of its desolation. Footnote. This is the proper place for such as have closely attended to these latter books of the war to pursue, and that with equal attention, those distinct and plain predictions of Jesus of Nazareth in the Gospels thereunto relating, as compared with their exact completions in Josephus's history, upon which completions, as Dr. Whitby well observes, no small part of the evidence for the truth of the Christian religion does depend. And as I have step by step compared them together in my literal accomplishment of scripture prophecies, the reader is to observe further that the true reason why I have so seldom taken notice of these completions in the course of these notes, notwithstanding their being so very remarkable, and frequently so very obvious, is this, that I had entirely prevented myself in that treatise beforehand, to which, therefore, I must here, once for all, seriously refer every inquisitive reader. Besides these five here enumerated, who had taken Jerusalem of old, Josephus, upon further recollection, reckons a sixth who should have been here inserted in the second place. I mean Ptolemy, the son of Lagus. End footnote. For Shishak, the king of Egypt, and after him Antiochus, and after him Pompey, and after him Sosius and Herod, took the city, but still preserved it. But before all these, the king of Babylon conquered it, and made it desolate, one thousand four hundred and sixty-eight years and six months after it was built. But he who first built it was a potent man among the Canaanites, and is in our own tongue called Melchizedek, the righteous king, for such he really was. On which account he was there the first priest of God, and first built a temple there, and called the city Jerusalem, which was formerly called Salem. However, David, the king of the Jews, ejected the Canaanites, and set tied his own people therein. It was demolished entirely by the Babylonians, four hundred and seventy-seven years and six months after him. And from King David, who was the first of the Jews who reigned therein, to this destruction under Titus, were one thousand one hundred and seventy-nine years. But from its first building, till this last destruction, were two thousand one hundred and seventy-seven years. Yet hath not its great antiquity, nor its vast riches, nor the diffusion of its nation over all the habitable earth, nor the greatness of the veneration paid to it on a religious account, been sufficient to preserve it from being destroyed. And thus ended the siege of Jerusalem. End of Book 6, Chapters 8-10 through 10. End of Book 6